Then here's Davis for three in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! It's the Lake Show Pod, your spot for everything Los Angeles Lakers. Get the trail. LeBron trying to pull his way in with one hand. Caruso! Games all the way in for the slam! Here comes LBJ! With your hosts, Nick Zelaya and Cameron Izaire. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. And it all starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Lake Show Pod. I'm Nick Zelaya here with the California native Cameron Izaire. Now, Cameron, I, I want to talk some football before we get into basketball. Um, both our teams, it's Sunday night around uh, 1025 Eastern Time, 725 Pacific, of course. Um, Eastern Time is superior, by the way. Your Chargers, my Broncos, we had rough days on the gridiron. Um, care to explain a little bit? Yeah, so yeah, the Chargers just aren't good at football. We're three and eight, and of course, your team doesn't have a quarterback because of COVID protocols. I'm just gonna say this: we're very lucky we have the Lakers. There's a reason we have this podcast. It's not just to entertain the viewers, but it's also to uh, to keep our hopes up and remind uh, each other that uh, the Lakers. Uh, have two of the top five players in the NBA and have a legitimate chance of going back to back. So it just, it, it, there's some solace in saying that it makes me happy that we have this podcast because it's a reminder of, uh, of how superior our team or the team that we support is, uh, is in basketball because our football teams are, are not up to par. Absolutely. Um, the Broncos we lost all four quarterbacks. They all were within Mr. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, who tested positive. Um, I don't know what was going on in the QB room. I don't want to know what was going on. Um, <laughs> uh, so we got a guy. We just grabbed a guy from, like, Best Buy. He was doing sales a month ago. Um, Kendall Hinton. Threw back quarterback, one for nine, 13 yards, and two interceptions. We lost 31-3 to Saints. But, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm a Mets fan. Thank the God I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah, and that's and that's why we are so happy when we talk Lakers basketball. Which starts in two days. Training Ooh. camp begins December 1st, which is, whoa. It feels like we just won the championship. I mean, I just got my merch three weeks ago. It took a little longer than we would have <laughs> we would have wanted, but we got the merch and that's what matters. Um, but free agency is pretty much wrapping up. Uh, the last signing really today, uh, Nicholas Batum got waived by Charlotte and it was picked up by the Clippers, which I guess, according to Clippers fans, is a good move. I, I, according, according to Clippers fans, Montrez Harrell wasn't good after winning sixth man of the year. So according to Clippers fans, uh, uh, a dense crew of, um, of people who choose uh, to support a team that have never made a a conference final before in their lifetimes. Um, the validity of what they say is probably not so high up. So the fact that now, when I saw that Nicholas Batum um, signing, I don't hate it when you can add a guy that obviously far out of his prime, but that was an all-star back in the day. I mm -hmm. think 
Um, was a tour with Portland, right? Yeah, when he was uh, the days with Portland. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, was a was a twenty seven million dollar player <laughs> that will now take the uh, now that will now take the veterans minimum. It's not bad. You're not adding a guy that makes the team worse. I was a little uh, scared to to say to say the least when I saw that, only because if Nicholas Batum is anything of what he was a couple years back, that will improve the Clippers. And I think that the Clippers are are you know right behind the Lakers and the totem pole of the Western Conference. So yeah, that was the only move that I saw today. Uh, or big move, you could say, because that's a title contending team. Um, so, yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off right there, but yeah, he turns 32 in two weeks. Um, obviously, he's going to miss that fat, fat paycheck coming to the mail <laughs> every single week. But yeah, I mean, Nicholas Batum was a guy that consistently averaged double digits in points. Um, his days with Portland, most recently in um, the 16-17 season, he averaged 15 points a game. That was with uh, his in his second season with Charlotte. So, I mean, he can provide some solid minutes off the bench um, for a Clippers team that lost some key bench pieces in Shamit and Harrell during the offseason. So, it's not a bad signing at all for the Clippers. We'll see how he fits into that. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on because uh, training camp, what you said, started Tuesday in, in the next couple of days, um, which is crazy to think because the, the break between the 2020 season and now the 2021 season. I know. Like the turnaround is so quick, which it is. Um, when I look at this Lakers team and I look at their depth chart and I compare it to uh, the rest of the league and I look at other teams that could be of threat. Uh, to the Lakers and and the fact that they hold the championship right now. I wanted to ask you this. I've named out some teams in the Western Conference that can be threats. I've pointed out a few in the East. If you had to name a few threats to the Lakers as a whole, this not just being the Western Conference, but you could name three, four teams in the Eastern Conference that can my guess is you think the Lakers are going to win the championship, but are there any teams that you look at as clear threats? Cause there are a lot of people that place the Lakers in a league of their own with how they've, you know, did last season and their off season. Are there any teams that you look at and say, well, these are legit contenders to the Lakers, not even just to the championship, but to dethrone the Lakers. I'll start in the Western conference first. Um, I think it's more obvious in the Western Conference, you got to name the Clippers. Um, the Nuggets, Jamal Murray is going is only getting better. He's so young. Jokic is obviously the star player he is. Um, I think those two, in my eyes, are the only Western Conference teams that could dethrone the Lakers and beat them in a seven-game series. Because it's hard to beat the Lakers four times almost every other day. I think those are the only two teams that could possibly do it. Looking at the Eastern Conference, I'm not even going to name Brooklyn because I do not trust the chemistry in that locker room. And with Kevin Durant, I'm very – I'm not feeling too well about Kevin Durant coming back this season, coming off the torn Achilles. We've seen it in the past. Guys who come off a torn Achilles are not the same player. And he's not an athletic type who's going to be throwing down dunks left and right. But shooting-wise, I mean, 
your heels an important part of shooting. I mean, jumping up and down to get the shot off. That was his biggest part of his game. I don't think he's going to be the same player and it stinks. I mean, he's one of the greatest scorers the NBA's ever seen. And um, I don't think he's going to be the same type of player coming off this. And so Brooklyn, I wouldn't count out. Milwaukee, I think is definitely going to be, they're going to be there again. And if they were to meet in the NBA finals, they'd be tough competition for the Lakers. Just added Drew Holiday. Um, that's an upgrade from uh, Eric Bledsoe. And you have Giannis, you have Chris Middleton. Those are two all-stars right there. You have back-to-back MVP on your team. And then after that, I don't see Miami Heat again, honestly. Um, I think they'll make a deep run. But if they were to face the Lakers again in the finals, I don't think they're beating them. Honestly, to me, it's those three teams. It's the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Denver, Denver Nuggets. What do you think? Um, I like those options. Throw one more team out there for you. Uh, it's the Boston Celtics. Not a team that can beat the Lakers, uh, per se, but if, if there's one team that can catch the Lakers off guard and keep games close, I think it's the Boston Celtics. One issue I have with the Bucs, and I just, I just took a look at their depth chart, and this is what I was fearing. Um, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, the fact that they have all those guys is phenomenal for them and will make a huge difference uh, when you're talking about not just the size of the Lakers, but the depth of the Lakers. Where the Bucks and where I think the Bucks will struggle is you have Pat Connaughton, you have now Torrey Craig, Bobby Portis, Nick Stauskas, you have Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine. When I look at the formidable names on the Lakers and I compare them to the Bucks, why I think the Lakers have the best chance to win the title this year and why I think that there are a lot of teams that have no chance of dethroning them is it's not just the talent up front. It's not just the top end. It's the fact that the Lakers won through, you could say nine or 10, have names that can come up clutch for them at any moment. But I will say the Bucks. Uh, that's a team that they're due. They're due to come out of the East and adding a, a much better point guard and keeping their two stars, you could say stars, one superstar, one up-and-coming star in Chris Middleton. But I like the Celtics in the East as well. I wouldn't count them out. I agree with you on the Heat point. Uh, I don't agree on the Nets point. I think that the, you can include the Nets in that category, but I do agree in the sense that they'll be on the lower end of that, you know, that uh, challenging the Lakers uh, um, almost the narrative that's, that's going forward, knowing that the Lakers are at the top. It's interesting. In the West, I don't even see the Nuggets. I just see the Clippers, and I, don't, I barely even see the Clippers. But I'm never going to count out the Clippers only because we just haven't seen them in a seven-game series against the Lakers. If I saw them last year and they, uh, they lost in five games and their team didn't improve at all and the Lakers' team improved exponentially, I would say let's throw the Clippers out. But I haven't even seen the Clippers in a conference final in my lifetime or in anyone's lifetime, so how would I know? <laughs> what a shot at uh it, but I, i'm just no saying, i know i know it's a true statement i've seen denver in that position i don't think denver's good enough i don't think denver got better i think they got worse they lost jeremy grant who was such a big part of that team uh, whenever you lose a starter that added that so much production and, and paul Millsap's gone too right 
No, I don't think Millsap's gone. No, I think Millsap's still there. I thought I thought he left. Maybe maybe that's someone else. Continue. I, I'm gonna look him up only for. Um, no, he's still in the Nuggets. Oh, he's did he resign? Okay, okay. He's still in the Nuggets. Um, I know he signed that long term deal. I don't know. Um, so. I think it's just the Clippers in the West. I think the field is better in the East, only knowing that you don't have to face the Lakers along the way. So now it's just a seven-game series. It's not, let's beat the Lakers in a seven-game series, then have to face maybe another Western Conference team or have to face a really good Eastern Conference team. So I think I would name three teams in the Eastern Conference that have a legitimate chance in the Bucks, Celtics, and Nets. Uh, I, I don't think I'm missing any other teams. I'm, there might be one that's escaping my memory, but I don't think there is. All the other top teams I can think of, you, you mentioned those three. There's Miami, Toronto, which I don't think. Yeah. Lakers, Indiana. Well, the reason Toronto is going to fault is the fact that they just lost their two centers. They just lost their two big men. And it's great. You paid ben, ben, Fred Van Vliet the entirety of Canada, but <laughs> – Kyle Lowry, and you have Fred Van Vliet. So great, you have a you have a backcourt that is has only shown that they're good with pieces around them. And then Siakam, I just don't think that's enough pieces with how the East is shaping out. Yeah. So I'm going to go three teams in the East, only one in the West. I think the East is a lot deeper than than maybe you. No, I mean that's that's definitely interesting. Um, my thing with the Nets is there's so much uncertainty. Um, I said it, Kevin Durant hasn't played since, what, May of 2019, June 2019, something like that. He's been out for a year and a half now. Um, Kyrie Irving was injured for a lot of last year. We know the issues he's had with teams, um, with Boston. He had his issues, and now Brooklyn, he's barely played. But it's just seeing those two, it's not the type of duo you would maybe think to work together because they're both very ball dominant. They both want the ball in their hands. They both want to put up 25, 30 points a night. So it's going to be interesting seeing those two. But the Nets, they do have the pieces around to make them very competitive. Um, you have Karis LeVert, um, brought Joe Harris back, uh, Jarrett Allen, who I think is very good. And off, What I like about the Nets is their, their depth too. You've got guys like Dinwiddie who uh, I like I like Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. Um, you just put in, brought in Landry Shamit, taking apart that Clippers team. Um, Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan, Tyler Johnson, Timothy Luwawa Cabaret. If I if I said that right, Luwawa Cabaret. Gonna take French. Come on. TL, TLC. He played well in the bubble. He played well in the bubble for the Nets. So I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Is the one thing that takes me away from the Nets is just the uncertainty of how they're going to play because we've never seen this lineup before. They have the potential. Obviously, they have two MVP caliber players on their team. It's just how will they mold together as a group? Okay, so gone past the NBA's point. I mean, one other thing to mention, Gordon Hayward's deal just finally went through. It's now a it's now a, a sign-and-trade uh, with – a couple second round picks and conditional second round picks for grabs, not really, uh, not really of much interest. I want to go back to this Lakers team because that's really what we're trying to focus on. And the fact that the depth chart is exactly what the name states, it's very deep. This team has a lot of depth, especially compared to 
uh, what they had a year ago. Scary looking at a depth chart with no Anthony Davis on it because that deal just needs to get done. <laughs> or I have a heart attack. Um, I look at these guys. We know what LeBron is going to give you. We know what Caldwell Pope is going to give you. We don't know what he's going to give you on this new contract. Kyle Kuzma, you kind of have an idea, but you look at the rest of this team other than Alex Caruso and, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker really didn't play. All new, all new faces. Markeith Morris, of course, but he – he came into the middle of the season. Man, man. All new, if you look at one guy on this team, it could be a current guy. I want to exclude AD and LeBron because, of course, they're going to you know, play to their standards. Who's one guy on this team you're most looking forward to playing in a Laker uniform? I'll be honest. It's Markeith Morris. Um, we really didn't get to see a full season of Markeith Morris on the Lakers. But when we did get to see him, he shot well. He did what he had to do. He's, I mean, on this depth chart, I think you're looking at the, you're looking at the ESPN depth chart, I assume. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's listed as starting power forward. He's not starting at power forward. I'm sorry, Markeep. You're not starting at power forward. Take, <laughs> but coming off the bench, um, if he can average 10 to 12 points, play defense on the other side of the court, um, do his job, he could be really exciting and a very important piece. And when you need, the shooting, he's a reliable source from the three-point line. The Lakers have struggled to find that one three-point shooter for the last season, two years. But Markeith Morris, if there's so much uncertainty about how Wesley Matthews will shoot, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. But Markeith Morris, he's a stretch four that if I could see him shooting 36 38% from deep and really making an impact for this Lakers team. I'm a, I, oof, this is a tough one because I'm going to go away from the guards and I'm going to look toward the big men. And I'm deciding between the two new guys and Harold and Gasol. Uh, oof, this one's tough. I think I'm going to go with Marcus Gasol only because my guess is he'll start. I think Frank mm-hmm. will put him in at that starting center position alongside AD. How does that improve AD's game? Now, there's a high possibility that it doesn't. There's a chance that it just clogs up the paint, but the fact that Marcus Ole can stretch the floor and so can AD, I'm wondering if obviously AD was spectacular last season, but how can Marcus Ole and how he plays and the, the pedigree that he brings to LA, how can that improve the play of Anthony Davis? Because going into the season, I thought Anthony Davis would win MVP. He was high up in the defensive player of the year voting. Um, obviously wasn't going to win finals MVP because who does when LeBron is your running mate. Um, but if Marcus soul can do what he did in Toronto with a Serge Ibaka, where he definitely made Serge Ibaka look better than Ibaka was at that time. Um, and of course I'm not comparing Ibaka and, and Anthony Davis, but the fact that those are two guys that can stretch the floor, shoot ball handle, if Marcus Gasol, at his age and what the Lakers need from him, they don't need, you know, 20 points per game. They don't need 15 rebounds a game from Marcus Gasol. They need at least 20 minutes of smart basketball spreading the floor. If this Lakers team can spread the floor more than they did a year ago, there's not one team in the National Basketball Association that can beat them. Now, I'm not saying they'll go undefeated in the regular season. I'm saying outright beat them to the point where I'm looking at this Lakers team and saying this is not a championship team. This is not a team that will win the championship. I'm very excited for Marcus Gasol. 
uh, a late signing, a guy that I don't think there was that much hype around him. He's a smart player. He's very smart. I think his signing ultimately won free agency for the Lakers. It helps when you get the top two guys in the voting of six man of the year last year. But the fact that they add a former all-star, they add a guy who's just as tall as AD, has the same skill set as AD, just, just uh, you know, his, his approach to the game is different. So AD obviously has a, has a better advantage because Marcus Gasol's used to, buffing up the paint while Anthony Davis is used to doing everything as a guard center power forward, all of the above. I'm very excited for Marcus. I, I like Marcus all too. Um, I'm not saying when I'm listing Marquise Morris, I'm like, Oh, all these free agent signings are awful. I don't, I don't like any of these signings, but what I like about Marcus all is if you need him to step out of three point line and just give the entire paint to Anthony Davis, he can do that. But at the same time, if Anthony Davis wants to stretch the floor, make something happen, he can go to the weak side corner or something and just stand there. Maybe AD finds him for a shot when the defense collapses or something like that. But looking at some of Mark Saul's stats, his last two seasons with Toronto, his most effective shooting percentages from the field because he let Serge Ibaka score the points and bulk up the stats. Marcus Saul will take smart shots. So when you give him the ball, he's either going to pass it up or he'll shoot when he knows it's a good shot. And that's what a veteran like him that's been playing in the league for, this is going to be his 14th season in the NBA. A veteran like him could be really good for this team. Yeah. And it's weird when we look at the Bucks and the Lakers and how they match up because the Bucks are probably the top competition against the Lakers. Brooke Lopez, Giannis, AD, Mark Gasol. Just look at that matchup. The fact that the the Bucks probably have the best matchup possible against the Lakers. So that's and then, and then who and then who stops LeBron? Who stops that's LeBron? Who stops Dennis Schroeder? I mean, you could say Drew Holiday, but let's say uh, Schroeder or, or Holiday shuts down Dennis Schroeder. Then you have the problem of you bring in. Contavious Caldwell Pope, and then what? You have Dante DiVincenzo on Contavious Caldwell Pope. There's too many stars on this Lakers team for this team not to be good. Expectations is what scares me. Does that get to the Lakers' head? Because it, it kind of did a bit this year. They, they proved or they got to every goal possible, but there were a lot of games where the expectation, how could this Lakers team lose? And they lose. And then the narrative was, is this Lakers team not as good as we thought it would be? Um, I'm very curious to see how narratives are drawn this season only because Lakers not just have – they don't just have a lot of expectations on them. They're now the defending champions. Yeah. That's what we look at. Like, they're, they're no longer – will this team win the championship? They did. Will they repeat? So the question differs, and I think the, the narrative will differ as well. That's, that's a very valid point. Um, the advantage I think the Lakers have for that is – the veteran leadership. I mean, they have so many guys in their thirties who know what the media is like, what it's like being in the NBA. They've done it for years. They can just work on shutting all of that out and just playing basketball after all. Because if you look at some of these other teams, they're young. I mean, I'm sure the heat, the heat are going to come into the season thinking they're all that because they're all these young guys, you know, Tyler Hero was 20 years old playing in the NBA Finals. Oh, I'm an all-star type player, and he might blank the bed this season. 
Um, I think the veteran leadership and these guys having so much experience under their belt is really going to help them this season when it comes to the media trying to be like, oh, this Lakers team isn't legit. Oh, the Clippers are the real team of Los Angeles and all of that. But I, th- I think them having that experience will definitely help in the long run. It'll be a very exciting season as we wind down episode seven. Nick, I, I want to ask you something about the NBA as a whole, because of course the season starts soon, preseason starts soon. The fact that the draft was on the 18th, which is just 11 or 12 days ago, and these rookies are going to get right back at it. Now the mm-hmm. Lakers really feature any rookies. They signed Xavier Simpson, but he won't really get any playing time being that, that fourth point guard on the Lakers team. Now you look at the landscape or, or the rookie landscape around the NBA. Which rookie are you most excited to see? And who do you think will have the best start to the Well, obviously, I'm very excited to watch the mobile ball. I've been high on him for years now. But the guy who I think is who is going to have the biggest impact is James Wiseman. I mean, after all, he's playing under Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr's going to be able to teach him a lot. Um, I know James Wiseman is trying to work on his shot what better place to work on your shot than Golden State where the Splash Brothers exist? I know Clay Thompson, unfortunately, won't be playing, but you have Steph Curry right there. You have Draymond Green, who is one of the smartest players in the league. Um, He's going to be – if he's starting at center, which I think he should this year, I mean, the Warriors have struggled with the center position for years now. Well, Wiseman will be there. Oh, you're saying Wiseman. I'm saying Wiseman will start at center because they haven't had centers for who knows how long. That's always been the one position they've not been able to find someone. He will start at center, and he's going to make an impact. He's athletic. He can run the floor, which is perfect for this Warriors team that wants to run, run, run. They want to do fast breaks constantly, and he's he's athletic. You just throw it up to him. He's seven feet long. He's going to make a big impact early on. I think the answer to my first question for me is James Wiseman. I'm most excited to see him. No one's seen him play in a competitive basketball game in in over a year. Um, The one guy that I think will have a good start to the season, and this is optimistic for everyone in New York, Obi Toppin. I love Obi Toppin. I love how he plays. Um, I like his tenacity. I like how he, he approaches the game with, with a different kind of energy. I mean, a guy coming out of Dayton that, that wins that National Player of the Year award, that's almost unheard of. Uh, do I think that he'll have a good start to the season? Yes. What's my definition of good? Not as good as any of the other rookies because he's playing in New York. He'll give you 15 or 16. He'll impress with, with a game that he has 23 and, and lights up an and empty Madison Square Garden. But I'm really excited to watch Obi Toppin play only because the guy that no one looked at in college won the National Player of the Year award. A guy that no one's really looking at in the NBA because now he's playing in New York. Of course, James Wiseman's being looked at because he's playing in Golden State and Lamelo's being looked at because he's been looked at his entire life. Uh, so I think Obi Toppin's going to have a good start to his career. I'm interested to see how he gels with RJ Barrett. Cause I don't think that New York team is going anywhere anytime soon, no. <laughs> but the fact that they can build up their, their 
arsenal of younger guys and exciting guys at least bring some hype. Yeah. You don't need a good team with how stacked the NBA is. Like at least bring some hype to your team. So yeah, Obi Obi led college basketball in dunks last season. I'm pretty sure with like over a hundred or something. Um, one, one other guy I'm really excited to watch is uh, Cole Anthony with Orlando. Obviously it's a weird fit. I don't know. I'm not feeling him in, or, in an Orlando magic Jersey. Um, just because he's from New York, he's had the spotlight on him since high school. Just throwing Orlando is weird. Um, but I mean, he was injured for a lot of his freshman year at UNC he really didn't live up to the potential for college basketball. He dropped all the way to 15. He, he has a talent to be a top 10 pick yeah, easily. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch Cole Anthony play this year too. A lot of big names to watch out for. A lot of guys that could be big names in the future, but of course are uh, why we're so happy is the fact that we get Laker basketball back in less than a month. Uh, we're having so much fun with this podcast. We hope everyone listening is having a lot of fun you know, listening to our takes and listening to what we have to say. And the fact that training camp is on Tuesday, the preseason starts in a little under two weeks. Uh, this is going to be a great December. It's going to be a great end to December. And I think that the, the way that basketball brought back some kind of sports energy in 2020 i think it will do the same uh, entering 2021 so we're very excited and uh, we can't wait for what the next couple weeks has in store we'll continue to provide episodes left and right um this has been episode seven and you know we're just we're just getting the ball rolling so for nick zelaya i'm cameron he's we'll see you next time